This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. But right now, let's talk travel and Sally Lucas joining us on 2NURFM. Sally, we're going to Africa. We're going to Africa and we're also going to Spain. And I thought we'd start with Spain first today, Jane. Um, we did talk about Spain, as you may recall, when I came back a, about a month ago. But we sort of skimmed over the whole itinerary. And today I just thought I'd go back and talk specifically about Madrid. One of the places you really loved on that trip. I did love Madrid. It, it did blow me away. And it's a quite a cultured city, whereas Barcelona is quite laid back, more casual, a bit more touristy, if you like to call it that way. But of course, the three of the most beautiful museums in the world, art museums, of course, are in, in Madrid, of course, with pr- the Prado, of course, and Picasso's museum, etc., so I just thought we'd just talk a little bit about all the things you can do in Madrid and, of course, eating, as they do so well over there. And um, the, there's a market near the main uh, Plaza Mayor, which is the main square. And of course, all these European cities have a main square and everything then sort of radiates from that, that square. So there's a, a market there called the Mercado San Miguel and it's been actually reawakened and they've now enclosed it. But what they've done, they've put inside it as well as all the wonderful food outlets for, for purchasing, you know, vegetables and fruits and meats, etc. and charcuterie. They've put in um, 33 of the stalls have become thriving tapas outlets. And we couldn't even get in there the day I was there, but we just had a look around. It was chock-a-block with locals, you know, having having tapas for lunch and um, all sorts of lovely um, a seafood salad, which they call um, salpicon de mariscos, which is a salad of octopus prawns and mussels with peppers and onions and parsley prawns and oh, just and they and often some of them will give you a free beer even with with your tapas. It varies from place to place. So that is right in that centre of Madrid. So that if you can ever get to that market and find a, a spot on a stool or whatever you can purchase yourself, it's certain well worth it. Now, another thing that's quite interesting is there's a very old, um, it was, a, I think, a church, but became a convent anyway. It, it was known as La Carboneras, which means the coal women. And it was something to do with way back when, when the coal was lifted in for the fires, but it's since become a secluded order. So you cannot actually see the nuns, but they make apparently the most beautiful pastries. And you ring a little bell and a sturdy wooden doors open and you pass down a number of dimly lit narrow, narrow passageways and then you get this revolving turntable window where you place your order and you don't ever see the nun and you place your money on the turntable it revolves around and then it comes back and you wait for your order and you get these wonderful egg yolk cookies that they uh, make apparently as well as all these hot cakes etc etc um Another one is one of the oldest restaurants in the world. If you can, you've got to book in advance, it'd be well to go on site if you want it called El Botin. And according to the Guinness Book of Records, it's the world's oldest restaurant. And it's about over four floors, but it dates back to about 1725. And it's a real institution and it's famous for its suckling pig and lamb. And so another place to think of to go. But you don't go out. The Madrilenas, as they call them, they don't go out till 10 o'clock at night. So if you go anywhere before then, you'll be the only person sitting there. And most of them don't even have their chefs turn up at the restaurants till 8, 8.30. So, you know, you just got to be very careful with that. Um, it's all part of the laid-back lifestyle. It, it's very much the laid-back lifestyle. But as I said, it's a very cultural place, some wonderful museums. The artists that are displayed in the um, El Prado, for example, I mean, you've got over 3,000 works of art with Goya, El Greco, and so, so many famous artists are displayed in there as well. And whilst you're there, just um, another thing to help you get around Madrid, you can get a Madrid card, which offers you entry or free entry to more 
than 50 museums and you get your hop on and off tourist bus as many times as you like and it offers various discounts for flamenco shows, car rentals, major shopping stores, public buses and the metro and available for a minimum of 24 hours and up to 120 hours. And there's a website just www.madridcard.com if you want to go and have a look at that. But the transport system is excellent, it's cheap, the metro's good, the buses are great, um, wonderful park in the centre of the city, is huge park and also it has uh, very cheap taxis as well so to get around is very easy beautiful wide tree line boulevards lots of beautiful statues and columns. Oh and Don Quixote I remember oh, seeing yes. Don Quixote Don Quixote yes and of course you've got a one huge roundabout with this massive um, statue of Neptune with water fountains and they love statues and there's a statue everywhere commemorating somebody or something but it is a beautiful city and it's a very interesting city as I said very cultural so quite different to Barcelona in that respect as I said um, who's more famous for Gaudi and, and the more different things I suppose and La Ramblas and the long sort of walking boulevard they have there and it's a huge seaport to Barcelona so it's very busy all the time with tourists so you do find Madrid is a little bit more cultured if I can call it that way a little bit more refined but fabulous fabulous city to get around beautiful food Locals are very, very friendly, you know, very friendly people, very hospitable. Um, but do a little, try a little bit of Spanish before you go. It's always good to have a little bit of language if you can, just a few phrases. And we are talking travel right now, Sally Lucas and me, Jane Klein. And we're heading off to Africa now, Sally. We are, and just a, a different part of Africa that we haven't spoken about before, I don't think. So we're not going to safaris? We're not doing safaris. Right. Okay, so something totally different. I know it's well known for its animal safaris, which are absolutely wonderful in Lots of parts of Africa, Botswana, Namibia, you know, South Africa, Kenya, we could go on. But the country, of course, is on the, you know, borders the Indian Ocean and it's got some beautiful coastlines around Kenya and Mozambique. And also it's got some quite lovely archipelagos as well of islands. So I just thought we'd talk about them today as a little bit different part of Africa or a part you could include after your animal safari for a relaxation stop on your way home. So places like Zanzibar, you know, you, you conjure up images, don't you? Romance. Mozambique, you know, Madagascar, which has, of course, become famous because of those wonderful animated movies and the lemurs uh, and Mauritius. So Zanzibar is actually an island off Tanzania, uh, just to let you know that, and it's fringed with uh, beaches, sandy beaches, coral reefs, and it's got a historical a town called Stonetown, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site as well. And apparently the old city and the cultural heart of Zanzibar has changed little over the years. And it was one of the most important trading centres in the Indian Ocean. And it's a place of little winding alleys and bustling bazaars and mosques and grand Arab houses da- dating back to the days of the Omani Sultanate. So that's quite an interesting island to go to. Mozambique, a, a country in its own right, between squashed in between South Africa and Tanzania, if you like, it's where it is, and it's got beautiful beaches as well and coral reefs and a relatively unknown um, archipelago called the Carimbas Archipelago off the coast of northern Mozambique, which is virtually untouched, but it's rapidly becoming a sort of, if you like, a little bit of a hot new destination for people to go to. And you've got quite an interesting history again in, in Mozambique with ancient culture and, of course, a wonderful abundance of marine life, diving, deep-sea fishing and snorkelling paradise as well, and some lovely boutique accommodation. Now, the other place I think we should talk about, of course, is Madagascar. Um, now, Madagascar is off the eastern coast of Africa. Again, it's off from Mozambique, about 200 kilometres. How big is the island? It's the fourth largest island in the world. 
So there you go. And it's bigger than Arizona. And so there you go. It's quite large and home to 5% of the world's plant and animal species. Now, this is what it's most famous for. It broke off millions of years ago from mainland Africa. And because of that, those particular species are now only found on Mozambique and nowhere else in the world because it's become isolated. So it's a very interesting place to go to. And 80% of, um, of the species there are unique to actually Madagascar itself. Um, so it was um, initially Malagasy was what it was called before it became Madagascar, and the Malagasy people are actually of Malay, Polynesian, Chinese. So this is interesting when the world was all linked together, how we had people roaming and, and they've got this interesting background. And Madagascar, as I said, is huge. You've got... Uh, peninsula on one side and then you've got golden beaches on the other and you've got high mountains in the middle um, which is just a a myriad of attractions that you can do there as well and also you've got Fort uh, Dauphin which is called the lobster capital of Madagascar and it boasts excellent restaurants specialising in seafood as well but the thing is I think the interesting part to me would be I mean lemurs I just find the most fascinating creature and and they are related somewhere along the line I think to, to the monkeys but they've just got a unique personality as well and there's as I said they've got um, also unique to the island is 3,000 indigenous species of butterfly 3,000 different ones 3,000 isn't that just amazing so you've got a wonderful place to go to if you're really interested in flora fauna etc that's quite unique but also according to to local legend the island was first inhabited by the Vazimba which was a race of white pygmies now they're not sure whether this is true or not, but these people, if indeed they did exist, uh, were displaced by uh, successive waves of Polynesian migrants, as I said, from, from the Malayo-Indonesian archipelago, and um, as early as the 6th century. So that's how long, you know, Madagascar's been going. So that, that's quite quite a bit of history there. A lot attached. of history, yes. It is, isn't it? And it's actually the area that people are interested in. It's 587,000 square kilometres, and it's got a population of about 19.5 million and its capital is Antanarivo. Um, you don't need a visa to get there, um, but it's got quite an interesting history, as I said, with all the different races that are there. So, yeah, just have a look at it. There's some great uh, websites if you want to look at Madagascar, um, or there's one a company called benchinternational.com.au who does uh, operate beautiful tours into all these areas, all these islands, as well as the African mainland, you know, Mauritius, the Reunion Islands, which are not far away from um, Madagascar as well. So quite a beautiful part of the world and something you might like to include on your way home from an African sojourn. We are talking travel. Sally Lucas, it's hot deals time. It's hot deals with a few extras today, Jane. I just thought I'd quickly mention a tax in Italy that has come into effect today, actually. Venice and Florence city tax, just to let people know... Don't yell at your travel agent or something when you come home and say, I had to pay all this extra tax. It cannot be included in the room rate and it cannot be prepaid. Now, Venice and Florence have introduced this. They're saying more cities may do so, such as Rome and so on. But at the moment, if it's a one-star hotel, it's one euro per person per day and it graduates up the same. Two-star, two euro, three, three, etc., etc. So just keep that in mind because if you're staying at a four-star hotel and there's two of you, I mean, there's, there's eight euros extra per day you're going to have to allow mm. on top of your 
your accommodation, even if you've prepaid it. And that goes direct to the city? Yes, to help the city keep everything up and running and keep the buildings and, you know, that's basically into the infrastructure of keeping things the way tourists like it, I guess. So there you go. Be prepared. Be prepared um, like a Boy Scout. Some great ideas. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane. And we'll be back talking travel next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM.